and it's that time of the week being a Monday afternoon. It means it's Gardening Talkback as we're joined now by Scott Sharp. Scott, good, good afternoon to you and welcome along. Good to have you here with us. Hello, how are you going? It's a beautiful, a couple of beautiful autumn days we've just had, haven't it? It's been lovely. It's turned out great today and a lot of people I imagine are already out in the garden. They might have been out this morning doing things and yeah. over the weekend. They certainly were out yesterday and yeah, beautiful weather to do it in. What are some of the things you'd like to talk about today? Yeah, look, a plant I'd like to talk about today is the fairy magnolia. I'm going to talk about splitting uh, clivias and agapanthus. And uh, finally, I just want to talk about how the Aussies have successfully invaded America. We're waving the flag over there, which yes. is great news. Scott, um, I wanted to lead off with that one. You've really got me interested now in how we're going in America. Oh. <laughs> Tell us about that one. Okay, look, and it all came about through my thought processes on the weekend. We went up to the Meyer Lakes camping uh, had a great time running around. Of course, it rained really heavily on Friday night, but that's camping for you. But all around the Mile Lakes, there's Melaleuca quinquinerva, which is a really lovely... It's paper bark tree. People most, mostly know that. You know, you can pull the, the, yeah. the bark off it and, you know, draw pictures or whatever you want to do, like you did as a kid on it. But there's heaps of that around the Mile Lakes. And it just uh, caused my mind to go back to a, a time when I was reading something about uh, how the Melaleuca quinquinerva had taken over the beautiful bayou in Louisiana because it was introduced there to try and soak up water mm-hmm. uh, so they could use it for farming land and other things like that. But, of course, what's happened is the Melaleuca has gone absolutely rampant down there as when you introduce any plant into it, you know, somewhere where it shouldn't be. And it's gone crazy down in the bayou. It's sucking up all the water. It's destroying all the habitats for the uh, the caiman and all the other sort of funny little animals that live down there in, uh, in in Louisiana. And so it's become a noxious weed down there, and they just can't get rid of it. And that caused me to think again about another plant that successfully invaded America, and that is the good old eucalypt. Yes. Uh, yes. Heaps of them in Southern California, and the most common one over there is the blue gum. There's really great stories about how it actually came to uh, to take over Southern California. Uh, it, uh, they think they first arrived in about 1865, where a fur trapper farmer named William Wolfskill he planted some specimens outside his house. What a great name! And the name of his house was the Rancho Santa Anita. Ah. <laughs> I love Southern California. They've got fantastic names, yeah. haven't they? Look, he was an agricultural experimenter who made a fortune growing oranges, walnuts, and wine grapes. And he thought he was going to go and do the same thing with eucalypts, with uh, timber and oils and stuff. Uh, he didn't uh, see that come to fruition because he sold his uh, the Rancho eventually, and uh, it, it didn't come to fruition for him, but they started to take over Southern California. And then it came onto the tobacco heir, Abbott Kinney, uh, who's a very famous bloke. There's actually a road named after him in uh, California, at Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach. Mm-hmm. Fantastic street to wander up and down, go to restaurants and cafes up there. Uh, so he uh, then started to actually distribute those, around the seeds of the eucalypt, around Southern California because he was the state forester from 1886 to 1888. So that's how the eucalypts from Australia just took over Southern California and that's how the Melaleucas have taken over Louisiana. Yes, so we're sort of invaded, but maybe not in a good way for them. They're probably not that welcoming. Well, look, the the, the eucalypts are okay. The Melaleucas not a good thing. Uh, But, yeah, look, the eucalypts have made it into all sorts of um, books. Uh, They're they're written about. um, Yeah, it's been by Raymond Chandler. He writes about them a lot when he's talking about his uh, Philip Marlowe detective. So... uh, yeah, it's an interesting fact. Well, we've got our first call of the day for you right now, and joining us from Bonnells Bay is Betty. Hello, Betty. Oh, How can we hello. help you? Hello. How can oh, we help? Oh, I have a monster in my garden, and I can't control it. <laughs> <laughs> and what is, the, what is the name of that monster? It's a banana passion fruit. Yes. 
How do I control it? I keep cutting it and it keeps growing that high. I can't keep it, control it. Well, the, How far back can I cut it? You can cut it back a fair way. If it's really going out of control for you, just cut it back to wherever you want it to be and then try and keep it in, contained in that area by some regular and light pruning rather than letting it go rampant and, you know, coming into well, the Well, that's what I've been trying to do, but yeah. I, can't keep, I can't keep up with it. <laughs> Look, I think what's also contributing to it at the moment is we've got this, you know, a bit of rain around again. It's still yeah. warm, it's humid, yeah. and that passion fruit love those conditions, so they'll be taking off. I mean, you don't want to be in there, you know, in the house and all of a sudden it finds its way in there and curls around your foot. Oh, uh, it's going up over the roof. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> look, yeah, look, just cut it back. Try and keep it contained with regular pruning to where yeah. you want it to be. As and how it, long before I can get any fruit? I've had it for about 12 months in now. Oh, look, you'll probably get some next season in that case. And what, what season's that? When's that about? When, once we get back to August, September this coming I see. This coming yeah. year. You'll find once we go into winter as well, it'll slow down its growth for you. So you, oh. won't, you won't have to worry about it invading the lounge room. Oh, oh I hope so. <laughs> I don't want to don't want to get rid of it, you know, but it's getting to the stage where it's getting out of hand. Yes, yeah, yeah. Look, they are a very, they are a very rampant grower, so uh, good luck with it. Newcastle and the Hutter Valleys, 2 and URFM 103.7. It's Gardening Talk back for a Monday afternoon. What else have you got for us there that you'd like to share with us today, Scott? Oh, we've got a prize today. Did I mention that before? You showed me a picture of it. It looks great. Oh, no, that's not the prize. That's what, something else we're going to Oh, talk. that's yeah, another thing. Yeah, right. yeah, we'll talk about the prize. Yeah. We'll give it away a Phalaenopsis orchid today because I've got some really beautiful purple ones at work and they just look fantastic in the house. They're warming. As the, as the nights and the days cool down, the Phalaenopsis orchid in the house is going to warm things up. And I always talk about Phalaenopsis orchid because I think they're better than a, a bunch of flowers yeah. uh, because they last so long. I've had one that lasted three or four months. The, the flowers died off and then lo and behold, it came back and I've had it for probably another five months. So a fantastic plant to have in the house and very easy to look after, even though they look so delicate and so perfect and fine. They're actually very robust. Okay. Yeah, so a nice, really nice plant. We'll give that away to uh, someone today. Right, now we've got someone on the line. It's Valerie and she joins us from Gorakin. Hello, good afternoon. Hello, how can we help you, Valerie? I hope you can. I've got two problems, please. A few years back, I lost uh, a, my, a lemon tree in the yard. The ants got to it and made a nest up its stem and oh, yes. killed the tree. Well, now I've got um, oh, I've got a Washington navel and uh, a Eureka lemon. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, I thought I might pad it out the wrong way no, there. No, no, you've got it right. Uh, I've got them in big pots. Mm-hmm. I've had uh, in my yard, They've uh, and the ants are climbing all over the leaves, okay. all up the stems and everywhere. I don't want to lose these two because they're beautiful plants. Okay, I, we can help you, Valerie. We can help you. Don't 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 be worried. Look, what usually happens with lemon trees and navels, and you've got ants crawling all over them. There's a reason for that, and the reason often is that they've got scale, and the oh. and the scale is on the plant. It can be a green scale, it can be a brown scale, it can be a white, you know, a big thick white scale. So have a look around on the plant. You'll probably find some scale insects, like little dots or pimples all over the uh, the stems or leaves of the plant. And now what those scale insects do is they exude a, a residue that the ant come up to feed off. They, they love it. So you'll find them coming up and, and crawling around and, and taking uh, that residue from the scale insects. So what that is actually doing is bring, the ants are bringing up from the, uh, from the ground sooty mould spores as well. So you might start to notice some black uh, like soot going all over the plant, and that's sooty mould. Now, there, you can easily get rid of it, but the, the primary thing for you to do, Valerie, is to get rid of the scale. And to do that, you have to use anti-scale, which is a white oil and malathon mixed together, and then you just put it into the water and mix it up and spray it 
all over the plant until it's running down the stems. Don't be shy about using anti-scale. It's not going to hurt it. Put on heaps of it, uh, misting up in under the leaves. So you get rid of those scale insects. Now, if they've gone, there's no residue. Thus, there shouldn't be any ants coming up from the soil. But the other thing you could do is just get some malathon, or even if you've got a little bit of the anti-scale left over, and mix that up into the watering can and just drench it through the soil of the plant to try and keep those ants away. I might do that too. Yep, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> and look, there, I have one other question. Thank you very much that's for right. that. White oil and malathon. Yes, you can actually just get a product called anti-scale, which is those two things mixed together, and it's the easiest thing uh, for you to go and get and use. And make sure your plant's being well watered and well fed because it'll be a little bit stressed at the moment. Yes, well, I have been... Oh, with the rain too, it's been a yeah. great help. Yes. But the other thing, I've uh, living at Corican, I've been here for 20 years now and it's the same thing. It's never, ever changed no matter what I've done. Um, my soil... Uh, I can't grow anything... Uh, large or healthy because the, uh, there's some sort of a root system. It's both out the back and the front yards. It's all over the yard. It's just like uh, uh, all these tiny fibrous little roots uh, form into just a layer of solid mass. Oh, well, look... Uh... I don't know what it is. No, I've you... always had it. I've, I've just had... Um, this last summer, I had a, a build-up garden mm. for my veggies and uh, I've had beautiful crops. Some of them have been good, some of them have been bad in this uh, veggie garden and uh, digging up just before all this rain came here is the same thing in that I had all new soil put into it. It's happening again. Oh, so look, you might, you might have one of those rogue... We're talking about sending plants to America. You might have an American plant that's turned rogue in your garden down in Gorokan. But, oh, I hope not. Yeah, but look, the only thing you can do in that case is just to make sure that where you want to pull, have your plants, that they're being very well fed and very well watered. So that means using manure, using mushroom compost, and just trying to keep that organic matter going in that soil. So even though the plants are complete, competing with that other root system from whatever plant it may be, your plants are still getting that uh, nourishment from the uh, fertilisers that you're putting around. It's 49216216 if you'd like to be part of Gardening Talkback. 49216216. And we've got Malcolm with us right now from Merriweather. Yeah, hi, how are you going? Good, thanks, Malcolm. How can we help you? Uh, I've got a grafted Ned Kelly passion fruit vine. A um, couple of years in, plenty of flowers, no fruit. Do I have to cross it with something or what's the go, do you know? No, you don't have to cross it with anything. Now, this is the question I always ask about grafted passion fruit. How would you describe the leaves? Are they sort of uh, small and thin and grey or are they large and glossy and green? Large, glossy and green. Good, good, because what what happens with uh, grafted passion fruit sometimes is that the, uh, the graft takes over and all of a sudden you get these um, funny grey um, leaves taking over and the, and the glossy green ones die off and uh, you don't actually get a good fruit off that um, one from the from the graft. But um, you haven't got that. What you need to do is to uh, start using some potassium, uh, some sulphate of potash, uh, which you can get in a liquid form or in a powder form, and you mix that up and just start watering it in to the soil area around your passion fruit. Okay, thank you. And uh, look, it's not just a one-off though, uh, Mal. You have to keep on using it over time and that will build up in the soil. So when we get to the next passion fruit season, you'll have really nice strong flowers and thus strong fruit coming off those flowers. So sulfate potash. Thank you. Good man, thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Hello, Daniel. How can we help you? 
Yes, hello. Yes. Uh, I have a wisteria. The uh, tips of the leaves are all burnt off. What happened was uh, probably about a, maybe even a 50-year-old one that was transplanted uh, in 2012, went gangbusters when it was put in a big hole with a lot of its own dirt. Yes. And uh, then this season it's... Uh, it, it branched up fairly well and sprouting out, and then all of a sudden it's, the tips are burnt off. The uh, you know the, the little tendrils taking off died back. Yes, yes. Look, I wouldn't be too worried at this point in time, Daniel. It's uh, it's deciduous. Wisteria is a deciduous climber. It's a bit of a rogue plant. It'll twist its way around and take over pergolas and everything, but it is a beautiful plant. It gets purple flowers uh, back when we get to spring. Uh, pinks and whites that you can also get them in, but it is a bit of a rogue climber. It gets nice and woody. But, Daniel, with yours, I wouldn't be too worried. Those uh, burning tips on the leaves, I think it's probably just a result of the very hot and dry summer that we've had prior to, mm. prior to now. Uh, and even if it was an insect or you know, some, some yeah. other problem, it's going to lose its leaves anyway. Uh, uh, yeah, but it, it, you know it's it's gone this way the whole season almost. You know, we can say four months. You know, I mean, yeah, and and uh, look, you have to. We have had a very dry. Yeah, uh, you know, from September onwards, it's but, been. But very... other west area we have on on other properties <laughs> not doing it. Uh, I just wonder if it didn't like the soil here or something. I mean, look, it, it could be, but it wouldn't mm. just manifest itself on the tips of the leaves like that. It would be you'd see it actually coming through the entire leaf. You'd get uh, you know burn, for instance, or some dieback all over. I think I really think it's just going to be down to that uh, hot and uh, dry weather that we've had. Uh, I wouldn't be concerned. It's going to drop its leaves again, and it should come back really well again in uh, spring again. Let's hope we get some rain in September, October, November. Speaking of rain, Maureen, have you been getting any rain there in Singleton? We've had, uh, I think we've had about 60 points over the last two weeks. Oh, okay. And how's your garden going? Uh, most of my garden's in buckets now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 80. <laughs> what, what's it just been too dry up there for you, has it? Oh, yes, yeah. We, we didn't have rain from Christmas till just last week. Yes, yes. So yeah, you're keeping very dry, but the lawns are growing now. They're all green. Everywhere you look, it's nice and green. Yeah, it doesn't take much, does it? Just a little bit of rain and all of a sudden those ovals and everything. Yes, and this grass grows quickly uh. and I put new grass down the front and a fence around for my little dog and I put that new sapphire. Yes, yes. Oh, it's about six inches high. <laughs> <laughs> my nephew's coming over to mow it through the week. <laughs> You crack the whip on him. You get him mowing it. <laughs> yes, but he's got to look after his own place. He lost his wife oh, no. last August. She came home from work and she wouldn't answer him. Oh, no. Now, now Maureen, what about your... only 40s. So, what? Maureen, how can we help you today? Your lemon and mandarin well, trees. I've got a lemon tree. It's been in for 20 years. Yes. It's shooting up from the bottom. It's got nice big lemons coming, but the top's straggly. Can I cut it right back or not? Yes, you can cut back a uh, citrus tree fairly hard. Lemons, oranges, mandarins, limes, you can give them a good hard cut back. Yeah. Now, I remember seeing uh, a TV show, it was on the ABC a few years back, and it was about when uh, you know the, the farmers were actually cutting their citrus trees almost back to the stump to yeah. try and, because they were, they were in the middle of drought, and it was just a way of saving the plant. And yeah. then it would sprout back. So, look, I wouldn't suggest that you do it quite that hard. Quite hard. No, <laughs> it's got... Well, a church mob bought the paddock behind me. It wasn't supposed to be bought. 
and they put a new fence up for me. They cut a lot off it, <laughs> the back, and it looks real straggly. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I was wondering if we could cut it down, say, level with the fence. Yeah, look, you can certainly give your uh, citrus a good hard prune, Maureen, probably about a third of the plant off. Uh, and then do that regularly year after year as well. Just give it a nice cutback because remember the, the fruit and the flowers are always going to be on the new growth. So if you let it get taller and taller and taller, that fruit's just going to get out of your reach after a while and it just falls down onto the ground and you get uh, fruit fly and all sorts of uh, other horrible diseases that you can't treat effectively. So try and keep your, your uh, tree pruned. I always say you only need to keep your citrus tree a little bit over uh, head height. You'll get plenty of fruit off that for you and the neighbours and maybe even your uh, nephew when he comes over to uh, mow the lawn for you. Thanks, Maureen. Hey, Gardening Talkback, would you like to be on the show? You can. Just give us a call, 49216216 at 2NURFM. Jenny's with us now from East Maitland. Yes, the ever-popular passion fruit vine. Yes, how can we help um, you? <laughs> I have a vine that I've grown from seedling from an old original passion fruit. Yes. It's not a grafted variety. Yes. And it's very healthy. And I have a couple more seedlings that I'm thinking about um, growing as well. My question is, if I keep taking seedlings or fruit from the vines and um, growing the seedlings up from the vine, am I going to weaken the, vi- the actual passion fruit at all? No, uh, what, as, as in far as the, uh, the next plant that comes along. Mm-hmm. And in quality of the passion fruit. Look, no, you're not going to weaken it. it it's a lottery. It really is a lottery. Okay. So <laughs> anything that is seed grown is not uh-huh. going to be the same as the plant that it came from. It's always going to change. So it could be a stronger plant. It could, uh-huh. be, a, it could be a weaker plant. Uh-huh. Uh, it could be a plant that just performs just as well. And that's why if you want to get a, a true copy of the plant that uh, you have, you have to take a cutting. And that's so most plants now are grown from cutting, like moraes, gardenias, all those things. Uh, uh-huh. Most of the citrus you buy now will be grown from cutting as well. So they get the original stock plant that they like. They say, this is the plant that we want to grow. It's a good, strong plant. Uh, its growth habit's good. Uh, it gets plenty of fruit, etc., etc., etc. And then they propagate from that plant by cutting or by tissue culture, which is another way of doing it in the lab. Uh, and uh, the growers then get uh, little tube stock or called, and little slips that they'll grow from out of that. But if, if you take something that's seed grown, look, it, it, it will just be different. It's just the way of the world. Um, you know, the guy and the girl gets together and the child that comes out is different. Um, okay. it, it doesn't mean they're better or worse. It's just different. So, yes, your passion fruit, um, it'll you know, probably be just fine. Right. So then makes me think back... <clears throat> Some time back, I had another one. It was grafted, and the graft underneath caused me a lot of grief coming up around the yard, whatever they grafted it on. So yes, that yes. doesn't happen anymore? No, that won't happen because right. th- those um, Nelly Kellys are grafted onto a wild rootstock, and the reason they do that is that the wild rootstock is, is far more vigorous than the mm. normal passion fruit. So they put mm. it onto that, and you get this uh, sort of melding of two plants where something's going, yes, 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 grow, 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 grow in under the ground, and mm. then you've got this plant coming out the top using all that energy that the root system, the vigorous root system is creating, and it's, it's making really nice, big, plump, rich fruit up on the surface. But what you're doing is completely different. You're just growing something from seed. It'll just be one whole plant from, you know, the tip of the root to the top of the plant. Whereas uh-huh. with a grafted plant, you've got a completely different root system that they graft onto or they graft the top part of the plant onto that root system. It's the same with, uh, they do that with citrus as well. So you have uh-huh. a stronger root system. Uh-huh. And they also do that with roses as well. Okay. Yeah. 
All right. So well. you, you you won't get all you won't get all the little grey um, uh, rootstock coming up and t- trying to take over the garden. Thanks, Jenny. There you go, Jenny. Four nine two one six two one six. If you'd like to give us a call for gardening talk back today, right through until one o'clock with Scott. Here's a quick question for you. I've got a hypothetical. Okay? This, this, is a, this is coming from me, who knows nothing about gardening. The, right the big spotlight comes down on me okay. now. I've got a passion fruit. Yes. I cut it in half. Yes. There's nine seeds. Yes. If I dig a hole and put the nine seeds in there and covered up, will I get one plant from that? What would I get? You could possibly get nine passion fruit from that. Yeah. I thought it was going to be one of those things, you know, like we're in a house at the North Pole. This is a no-brainer for you. This is a no-brainer for you. This is just me asking because I've got no idea. No, no, you should get nine passion fruit out of that. You you could. Is it a chance where you put nine in, uh, only one might take? Yes, look, again, it's a lottery. It's the lottery of life, Dave. Okay, (laughs) very good. So you've helped me out. There you go. (laughs) Hello, Barry. How can we help you, mate? How are you, Scott? Very well. Um, yeah, I'm just ringing. I've got a Nelly Kelly passion fruit. Yes. There's a passion fruit to go today. It seems to be. We're just counting yeah. up and talking about that. A disproportionate yeah, um, number of people have got passion fruit problems. <laughs> well, I've got miles of passion fruit, good size, good everything, but um, the fruit fly I've got into them. Uh, so look, Is that a normal thing? Uh, I've never heard of fruit fly in... Um, Passion fruits, is that a... Yes, it, it is a normal thing. Uh, we, we, you know, we get quite a few people coming in with um, fruit fly problems in their passion fruit. Look, it's obviously most common in uh, in your stone fruit and tomatoes where the uh, where the rind or the, the skin is a lot thinner. But yes, certainly we do get um, problems with passion fruit. Um, they often don't all, all, you know, get all the way into the fruit. How, how do yours, do they actually pierce right through? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah so they're right, in, right yeah. into them. So you must have a nice thin skin passion fruit. People come in sometimes to work and they've got, uh, you know, the, the, the skin or the rind on their passion fruit's really thick and they uh, they have troubles. They want to try and um, fix up that problem. But, uh, look, yes, unfortunately, you do have um, fruit fly. Yeah. Uh, now, the only way to really keep fruit fly under control is to spray with Malathon. It's a contact spray, uh, so it will kill any of the fruit fly that it touches. But uh, more importantly, I think, uh, with ke- keeping fruit fly under control is to use uh, baits and traps. Uh, now, that can be as simple as getting a, an old jam jar or you know, some sort of container and mixing up a small paste of uh, Vegemite and Malathon. The uh, insects are brought in uh, by the uh, Vegemite, and when they land on there, the uh, Malathon actually kills them. But there are other um, ready-made uh, fruit fly traps that you can get, and that just keeps the problem under control. And then as well as that, on the other hand, you keep on spraying as well just to keep those fruit fly from doing that. Usually uh, the fruit fly won't attack the fruit until it's started to soften up. So with a tomato or with a passion fruit, for instance, when, when it's green, uh, the fruit fly can't actually sting through the, uh, the skin of the fruit. But once, once it uh, ripens up, it can get through there. So trapping and spraying is the best way to go. Thank you very much, Barry. There you go, Barry, giving us a call and being part of Gardening Talkback today. What else did you have that you wanted to share with us today there, Scott? Oh, look, I was just going to talk about uh, it's a fantastic time to split clivias. They're a, a, a lily-type plant with orange flowers. They're a very tough old plant. I think we were talking uh, to some people about them a couple of weeks ago when we weren't talking about passion fruit. Uh, so you can, cut, you can just dig them out of the ground. You get a nice sharp knife 
for a saw and uh, give them a good old split just to try and thin your clump up. Uh, I've seen them out of the ground just in the shade for a couple of weeks. Uh, you don't have to rush and uh, replant them and they seem to look after themselves. If your agapanthus as well are looking a little bit thick and they start to grow up from the ground, it's also time to give them a dig and a split and uh, just thin out your clump and you'll get a better result next year. And then once you've done that, uh, what you do in August or so is you start feeding back again with cow manure for both of those plants, in fact, and uh, you'll get much better flowering once you get around to uh, the hotter months for the agapanthus and for the clivias. Now, this time of the year, as I said, uh, March today, the last day of March, in fact, heading into April tomorrow, what should we be doing in the garden? Is there anything that we should uh, try and look at as being uh, done this time of year? I actually thought it was the uh, first day of April today, and I was in here ready with an April Fool's gag. Hold off on that. (laughs) I can't do it now because (laughs) next Monday won't be the first of April. It'll be dated. Yeah, look, uh, the the thing to do at the moment is all your old uh, summer annuals, they'll be gone. Uh, Petunias, uh, even your snapdragons and things, time to pull those out and get ready for the pansies. The pansies are starting to come into the garden centres now. The humidity seems to be going away and the nights are cooling down and it's time to get uh, your bed ready for those. So dig them out, add some fertiliser and then in a couple of weeks' time it's time to put the pansies in for your winter colour. And we've got Mel with us now from Aberglassen. Hello. How can we help you, Mel? I've got some basil growing, but there's something biting little holes in it, and I'd, I'd like to spray it or something, but then I don't want to poison myself when I eat the basil. Yes, look, that, that, that's okay. I understand that. Uh, you've probably got either some very small snails going around there, Mel, or I've seen little green caterpillars get into those. Now, the good news with that is if you use a snail bait, it's not going to be on the plant. It's just going to be scattered around. The snails will tend to go for that first. And if you've got some nice Italian caterpillars uh, eating your basil, you can uh, use a product called Dipel, which is a bio-insecticide, and it's perfectly safe to use. Uh, Even pyrethrum sprays will uh, keep your caterpillars under control. But I think that Dipel, it's a fantastic product, uh, completely safe to use on edible plants. So that's... It's going to help you with your basil, Mel. Thank you for your call, and that's almost it for us time-wise. I want to thank you for being a part of Gardening Talk back today. Scott, back next week. I will be back next week, and it won't be April 1st next week. No, no, so just stockpile that joke of yours and find another one for us. I'll leave up. it for Sarah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Scott Sharp joining us, Gardening Talk back. We do it every Monday right through until 1 o'clock here at 2 in your RFM.